0: In the last episode of Wicked and Grim, we covered episode one of Richard Wershey Jr., a.k.a. White Boy Rick. We discussed his recruitment and work with the FBI as an undercover informant at the age of 14 and his following years. Here is part two, and we will continue Rick's story on how his story led to his own arrest on drug-related charges, as well as the results of his trial and following years. My name's Ben.
1: And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim,
0: a true crime podcast. Warning the following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did not enjoy that. No, nope. so sorry.
0: <laughs> you didn't enjoy me having I, a sip of beer. We to should start?
1: count how many times I have to apologize on here on your behalf.
0: Wow, wow. <laughs> Maybe we should count how many times I comedically save your ass. How's oh that? my
1: gosh, we were literally right before this. Like both of us were just meh. Just it's meh. I don't know. But then as soon as these mics come in front of us, we are just like nuts
0: it's microphones right in front of you (laughs) it changes a person it really does it i don't know it's like putting a mask on like when you're a kid and you put on a halloween mask like you're like like different
1: we're we're singing in the mic we're doing like price check on prune juice bob price (laughs)
0: check on prune juice bob price check on prune juice if you know that reference i love you
1: oh my gosh it's it's actually just ridiculous
0: it really is it's
1: quite entertaining though
0: Um, if you, if you're really curious on what we're like in person, you can actually check out our YouTube Mm -hmm. where we're doing vlogmas and failing horribly at it.
1: Yeah. You know what? There's always next year. Well, there is.
0: (laughs) We're still going to keep pushing strong and keep doing our thing. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping for at least, um, well, if there's like 30 days in the month, is there 30 days in December? No. It's 28. 31. Is there 31 in December? I don't know.
1: Because it's like new year's Eve and stuff.
0: Oh Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, 31 days in December. Oh yeah. So we're hoping to hit minimum 15 vlogs in December. I think we put out eight so far, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So I think we're at about that par. So that's ish, a little bit below. Okay. Yeah. We're like three, four below. I mean, whatever. Yeah,
1: 50%. That's a pass. That's what we're aiming for. <laughs> it's actually quite interesting trying to put a vlog out every day.
0: it is, especially living in a tiny home, when we have different schedules and most of our work involves us just sitting on our laptops doing nothing all day. <laughs> so, yeah, makes for very terrible and uninteresting vlogs at times, but we're, we're going to be making it work here.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think this is also helpful for us making... A, a set schedule going forward that's like once a week or whatever oh, you know for
0: sure so it for is helpful sure. um i also just wanted to give you guys a uh, a little hope you're doing well uh tis the season for all mm. the stress and depression so hopefully you're doing well uh you're not alone out there so just uh keep on chugging along okay Mm -hmm. hopefully you're doing awesome
1: yeah no kidding
0: um i also wanted to give a shout out to our two patrons who signed up this month or this week sorry um so they're getting the exclusive episode at the end of the month which uh is most likely gonna be christmas themed Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: yeah they get that we have love this by the way robert jones the omnipotent who signed up (laughs) and lila walburn
1: right on thank you so much
0: thank you for joining our patreon crew uh you guys are absolutely incredible Uh, Even if you're not a Patreon, we love you so much. You're here. You're supporting us. And that means the world. Thank you so much. You're ready.
1: I'm ready. I mean, you've made us wait a long time for this. A week. A week. Yeah. An eternity.
0: An eternity. (laughs) Seven days, as the girl in the ring says. Uh, No, she doesn't actually say it, but. The, the tape does. God. No, because she calls in seven days. That's right. No, so she, she does say it. Samara. That is Samara.
1: creepy shit right there. Why did you just bring that up?
0: Because seven days. That's why. Okay. <laughs> anyway, my ADHD took me down a path and I just went with it. You sure did. Anyways, I'll give us a quick little recap. So last we left off, Rick was recruited by the FBI to infiltrate a drug operation and gang to feed inf- information into the authorities while he was at the age of 14 years old. He worked with them, and he did, um, as he was asked for a few years, being responsible for many arrests and convictions as a result of his work. However, one day the authority stopped working with Rick and Rick being the young kid that he still was, cause that's what he was a kid. Mm-hmm. I believe 16 at the time, um, just kept doing the gang life and, and the whole drug selling gig. Then he got stopped in a traffic stop and was now being arrested for drug possession. However, they said he didn't have any drugs on him at the time, but they said he fled the scene and stashed eight kilograms of cocaine under a porch in the neighborhood nearby, which was found a few hours later. And Rick claims that this was a setup
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and that's where we left off.
1: Yeah. And I am out of breath from that. Well, it's a wild story.
0: It really is. And, uh, it only gets to be more of a slippery slope as we continue. Oh, the tale.
1: Hmm. Okay. Kay? Okay. So reach
0: down, buckle up those seatbelts, make sure they're cinched up nice and tight. Cause so you don't want to go flying out of your seat on this story. Mm-hmm. Sit tight. And here we go. It was in January of 1988 when Rick Wershey Jr. stepped into the Frank Murphy hall of justice in downtown Detroit, accompanied by his parents. His mother was wearing oversized sunglasses, sunglasses, sorry, and a lavish fur coat. Uh, His father was there as well with a gray trench coat as he walked by his side. Rick himself wore a double-breasted suit and pleated pants complemented by nice alligator-skinned loafers as he walked into the courtroom. Oh, wow. So they were looking good. Sharp, yeah. They were. Now, among Rick's legal representatives was a William Buffalino II, who was a short, stout man uh, known for his courtroom flair, if you would. Uh, notably, Buffalino hailed from a family with alleged ties to organized crime, alleged, mm-hmm. which added an intriguing element to the unfolding drama. Mm-hmm. Now, Buffalo, or Buffalino, sorry, had, an or- had orchestrated a lot of attention around, around Rick's case regarding perceived violations of their constitutional right. And as such, along with the infamy now of the man the newspaper were calling, quote, white boy, Rick, the trial drew a considerable audience, including representatives from media, such as from 60 Minutes.
1: Oh, okay. Yep.
0: So the camera crew from those guys were there, as well as supporters of Rick and individuals associated with the drug trade.
1: Mm, okay so they kind of like an invested interest
0: yes of what's
1: uh, gonna happen
0: some of the latter actually were so notorious that even the attending journalists in the courtroom could easily identify these guys Ugh. it's like oh that's this ringleader dude whoa yeah
1: that's a little bit um unsettling really i
0: mean it kind of is but it's not like, like it's a courtroom it's not like shit's going to go down, you know, Mm -hmm, but I I could only imagine how high the tensions in that courtroom would be. Yeah. Like you have notable individuals who are committing, I'm assuming several quite hefty crimes and you have several authorities who are after and committing or sorry, condemning many of the friends of such people and the like is probably causing a lot of tension.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it'd be a very good vibe sitting in there.
0: (laughs) I can't imagine many courtrooms are a very good vibe.
1: That's true. That's very true.
0: So during the trial, Rick was quite optimistic and he had reason to be. Uh, The neighbors who had reported the discovery of the eight kilogram package of cocaine that was found beneath their porch. They claimed that Rick had approached their backyard and was carrying the cardboard box. However, there existed Zero tangible evidence linking Rick to the box. No fingerprints, no DNA, no video footage or photographs, nothing. Mm, Okay. It was going solely on a claim, a witness claim. Now, one of Rick's legal representatives posted the theory that the police had planted the drugs to conceal the alleged beating that had endured of Rick. So defense witness asserted that during the altercation, the traffic stop when he was, you know, allegedly being arrested for drugs and Mm -hmm. the tussle occurred and he ran. Allegedly during that tussle, a police officer actually struck him with his pistol. Holy shit. So literally pistol whipping Rick in this Mm -hmm. incident. And so this was actually a way of giving them reason for the force that was used.
1: Oh, okay. So it wasn't
0: like excessive force because it's like, hey, this guy like trying to run with a bunch of drugs. So you know what? Like I forced him to the ground sort of thing and hence the beating.
1: Mm-hmm. But he didn't have anything when he was running away,
0: correct? correct?
1: Correct. Okay.
0: I mean, there's nothing saying that he did, but there's nothing saying that he didn't. Yeah. Okay. You know? hmm I mean, what they found in his car was cash. They never said, well, he ran off with an eight kilogram box of cocaine, but they're all like, well, he must've had it on him. We just didn't know or didn't see.
1: Well, I feel like that would be something notable that you would remember. I
0: can imagine. Big time. It's like, oh, what's that guy running away with? A brick of cocaine. Yeah. It looked, it's like, yeah, it's simple as that.
1: I mean, even though, even if he was just carrying a box, like say it was sealed, I think that you would just recall that because you'd be like, shit, what's in the box? Like you'd wonder.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're stopped and you're a known dealer at this time, Mm -hmm. right? So you're stopped and there's a giant wad of cash that the police officers have found and then you suddenly just run off with a box. I wonder what's in there. Mm -hmm. You know, but there's no such thing of any box or any drugs or anything other than cash being present at that traffic stop in his vehicle at the time. Okay. So well, yeah,
1: because he had just dropped them all off too, right? I'm trying to. Yes. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. he had
0: already done the transaction. Yeah, except, hence,
1: hence the cash. Hence okay. the cash. Yeah.
0: Uh, so during the closing statement, the attorney emphasized the multitude of falsehoods and flaws in the state's case, urging that the audience, um, would reject This idea declaring quote, it repels you and makes you want to stand up and shout. No way, no way. Now, something that I did actually say in part one, this kind of goes back to, um, the, the box of cocaine that was allegedly stashed that Rick allegedly ran away with. Mm -hmm. Um, I did say that Rick claims to this day that he was set up. Technically that's false because I did find some new information that Rick actually claims to admit being responsible for those eight kilograms of cocaine. It was part of the shipment that came in that day that he was dealing with. Um, but it was in the hands of a partner who lived nearby and hid it under the neighbor's porch after hearing police sirens. And yeah, so Rick did is still maintaining that he did not have it on him during the the altercation. Altercation, yeah. It was another individual who, yeah, he still is responsible for the cocaine, but another individual who actually held it and stashed it, he technically should not be getting arrest for possession because he did not have it in his possession.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. But he, he knew of it kind of thing.
0: He knew of it. It was his, but he did not have it on him when he was arrested for possession. hmm Alleged possession. So I do want to rem- remind you guys that Rick is... A drug dealer. We know that. Yeah. He is a gang member. We know that. So it's not like he's being arrested just blatantly out of nothing. There are reasons technically though the arrest was made under potential false pretenses. Right. Yeah. So he does still claim to this day that he did not stash it himself or have it with him in the initial stop when the arrest occurred. So. Okay. Nevertheless, the defense team managed to inject uncertainty into Rick's case over said eight kilograms of cocaine. Over four days of deliberation, the jury twice notified the judge of their deadlock, but they were unable to come to, do, to a decision. Oh, man. They were unable to come to a verdict. Throughout this period, Rick remained confident. His defense team was reassuring him. We got this. In fact, at one point, even before trial, his defense team was so sure of themselves, they didn't even think they'd be going to trial.
1: okay. So the fact that they were even there though, was a bit surprising for them.
0: So Rick remained confident, you know, even joking around with some officers and stuff in the hallway, you know, just being casual, like it's not a big deal. Like he's going to be out in in no time.
1: Hmm. I wish I could act like that. If I was in that situation, I think that I would be kind of a negative Nelly and just be like, I'm
0: done. Terrified. I would have no fingernails left. Mm -hmm. I would be like chewing them to the bone, guaranteed.
1: Well, I thought I was going through a roadblock the other night and I wasn't, I hadn't even been drinking. I was (laughs) driving people who had been drinking and I was like, shit, 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 shit.
0: In those situations, (laughs) it's almost like that's when you're questioning yourself. Do I have eight kilograms of cocaine in my car?
1: I know. It's just so weird because yeah, I had done literally nothing wrong, but I was just like Panicking almost. Yeah,
0: the stress of the situation. Um, but yeah, Rick was remaining confident. He was reassured by his defense team. There's nothing to be concerned about. They got this. And then finally, the long awaited verdict finally came in. Rick Wershey Jr. was found guilty of possession. And he sat in the courtroom with an expressionless demeanor, not knowing what to do.
1: Shit.
0: So the following sentencing hearing, was held three weeks later. And it seemed like it was a mere formality because as possession of over 650 grams, it mandates a life sentence by the state under the law of the 650 lifer law. Oh my gosh. A sentence that was very quickly handed to Rick, who I want to remind you is 17, a minor
1: Okay, and I wonder, I just, this kind of just like dawned on me. I wonder if he was kind of so calm because he was thinking, um, how do I word this? That at some point, like, okay, like the FBI is going to come and like help me or whatever. You know, they kind of like put me back in the day in this situation, like something's going to help me.
0: Yeah, it's potential.
1: Holy shit, okay.
0: So the judge um, during the sentencing took note of the other youth in the courtroom who were adorned with quote gold chains and dress that is common to the drug trade. Um, he ominously kind of predicted that they would survive the perils associated with the lifestyle, the drug trade, the gang life basically saying that, yeah, you guys are, are one day going to end up neighbors in jail with Rick. If you don't smarten up, if you keep this act going, look what's happening to your friend sort of thing.
1: So even though he was a minor, Like he was still kind of tried, like got a full sentence. Correct. So it almost seems like they're using, um, Rick as like a. An example. example.
0: Potentially. But even still, you shouldn't be able to do that to a minor. No. But they still tried him as an adult, even though he's not.
1: Gosh. And a minor with like his history. Did like the courtroom and the judge and the jury know of this FBI history or had that not really. Am I getting ahead of myself here?
0: Uh, I'm going to touch on that here soon. Okay. 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 So during the jury's deliberation in Rick Jr.'s trial, because remember his father is mm. Rick Sr.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so Rick Sr. actually had a confrontation with a member of the authorities in the hallway outside the courtroom. He allegedly warned the individual, quote, you better not sleep too well. Oh. Which swiftly led to his arrest. Yeah. So he faced charges of threatening an officer and to add to the list, possessing illegal silencers, which were discovered in one of the raids of his home. If you recall, in part one, Rick Mm -hmm. Sr. was involved with illegal arms dealing. So his threat to an officer was taken even that much more seriously.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So from his cell in Wayne County Jail, Rick Sr. granted interviews to several reporters in the weeks following his son's conviction. In each conversation, he told a story that seemed almost unbelievable to anyone who heard it, any of the reporters. Rick Sr. began telling everyone about how both he and his son had served as informants for the FBI. Quote, they used me and they used my son. He asserted that they both had taken significant risk to assist authorities in gathering crucial evidence of drug dealings on the East Side. And to quote him again, and now they turned around and fuck us over.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that he's not keeping quiet.
0: Yeah, no, he's, he's actually speaking out. And this claim that he'd actually been collaborating with the FBI was a perplexing claim to many. And it kind of like shook the world essentially when it came out, or at least to those who were involved with listening or f- following the story in any sort. Um, basically, like if this were true, why hadn't the defense team like you had mentioned, um, bring this up during the trial. Mm-hmm. Well, reportedly, Rick Jr.'s attorneys made an agreement to not admit any retrial uh, pretrial evidence, which would include omitting any information regarding him working with the FBI or police as an informant while infiltrating the gangs.
1: Okay, why, sorry? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I feel like if that was mentioned, it could have gone a lot differently,
0: Perhaps? Oh, I mean like this, honestly, it makes things a lot worse. The news had been painting what quote white boy, Rick as a drug kingpin, basically mm-hmm. a dangerous man who's like running rampant on the streets of Detroit, um, even being responsible for the disappearance of individuals, hence potential murders at his hand, uh, being a leader of hundreds of murders within his gang. Um, most of which was not true at all. He sold drugs, yes, um, but was certainly not a kingpin by any means. And anything else was literally a flat out lie. Uh, Years later, on a parole hearing, he would actually, the court would actually touch on this whole thing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And they looked at a lot of the news articles and papers that were written about him at the time. They found that over half of them were proven to be falsified stories with zero evidence to stand on. So basically... Rick stood in front of a jury that knew absolutely nothing of his work with authorities or how he became, um, an informant, Mm -hmm. but they did know about the infamous white boy, Rick, because of all the news articles out there and the falsified stories that were being published in the public newspaper outside the courtroom.
1: Oh man, this is, this is a, a
0: mess. So all they knew is that this, quote, white boy Rick was a drug kingpin responsible for people's murders potentially and is now found with 80 kilograms of cocaine in his possession.
1: 80 or 8? Or
0: sorry, 8 kilograms.
1: Okay, I was like, holy shit.
0: No, not not 80, 8. Wow. Yeah. Uh, To Rick, to quote him, he feels the attorneys, quote, tanked his case. Now, there is some... This would be like a multi-episode if we kind of go into this, but there is some thought into potential, was it tanked on purpose and some political stuff with his attorneys, but that it's a whole spider web. So I'm not going to get into that, but there is a potential that they tanked it on purpose, but Rick does feel his attorneys did tank the case, whether purposefully or not, we're not going to touch on that.
1: Okay. Well, I just have to just say that's not potentially far fetched with (laughs) everything else that's going on.
0: Here. It's, it's not. It's not. I mean, like, how could you not say, or how could you make an agreement on your, def- on your, the person you're representing, a defense team, that we're not going to bring up the whole history on why you're holding drugs in the first place.
1: Yeah. That but doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Because, um, yeah, you know, you almost think were, did, was, were they paid off?
0: It's potential. Right?
1: Like, how much were they making?
0: Yeah. Now, so when asked about, uh, Rick's involvement as an informant, the FBI adhering to their agency policy never confirmed nor denied any relationship with either Rick senior or junior. Now at the time, Rick senior identified an FBI agent named James Dixon as the handler for the two of them. But when questioned about it shortly after the trial, uh, Dixon declined to comment on the matter whatsoever, basically stating that any suggestion of betrayal by the law was quote ridiculous. Dixon resigned that same year and remained silent on the case thereafter. However, today he resides in a Detroit suburb and was tracked down after retirement. Initially he spoke very cautiously when being interviewed and spoken to about this case um, any casually mentioned working with an informant without disclosing a name. When asked directly if that informant was Richard Wershey, there was a prolonged pause followed by yes. <gasps>
1: no shit.
2: Yes. Wow. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: Okay, that just made my stomach just like sink.
0: Yeah. So not only is it confirmed, and there are apparently documentation out there with the where she's names on it uh-huh. regarding the FBI, federal documentation. Um, but now we actually have admittance of it and none of it was brought up in trial. When questioned about it around the trial, even outside the courtroom, no one would confirm or deny or say anything. Hmm. I'm pretty sure all of that information, even a little bit of it, would have been very, and I mean very impactful on this case.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, it was just. Tossed aside, and Rick Jr., 17 years old, while standing trial and, and being convicted, is taking the brunt of it all.
1: Hmm. This is just such a bizarre
0: story. Well, it gets a little worse, even.
1: Are you serious? I don't understand how it could.
0: Well, see, the law regarding life to those who were charged with possession over 650 grams, remember that? the okay. lifer, The lifer law? Yeah. It was eventually overturned. Okay. In 2003. But Rick, however, was rejected to a new hearing or parole because he was apparently labeled as a menace to society by the Michigan Parole Board. Yeah. So even though that law that stated he needs to get life was overruled and gone out the window, he still had to serve life.
1: Oh my gosh. This is almost just terrifying this case. Because it's just it seems like s- so many opportunities or chances to like be heard just get rejected. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense.
0: Want to know something even more crazy? No,
1: I'm actually my mind's already blown.
0: Well, perhaps because of this. Um but anyways, he <laughs> See, this is this is difficult to say because it sucks. He assisted the FBI again in the 1990s while behind bars with a sting operation.
2: Why? So Rick
0: Jr.'s help being convicted and he's helping the FBI once again.
1: I'm shocked.
0: Now, the FBI, they went to see him. They asked for help and they told him they couldn't get him out of jail. But they did say that if you help us with this we could potentially get you out of jail and into an FBI custody, like a witness protection program facility. So you're still like in a housing and everything still technically in prison, but at least you're out of jail in a housing situation instead. And they also said in your parole, um, we can like stand trial and speak for you as well in a parole hearing.
1: Okay. Please tell me they delivered this for him.
0: So (sighs) the operation was known as Operation Backbone. Um, And that, again, could be a whole nother episode all on its own and kind of ties back to the uh, uh, individuals who represented Rick Jr. in the court, his defendants. Um, But Operation Backbone was targeting crooked cops and officials and uh, political figures and was unfortunately an unsuccessful operation. Um, Now, I did get word of him being in some sort of facility, but I couldn't really pin down when it occurred. If he was taken into FBI custody in a protection program for like a year, six months, when I have zero idea, I don't even know if it's true, but I did read that somewhere that he was in a protection program at some point. However, everything else just says he was behind bars. He was in prison. So I'm going to go with the point that he never did get into FBI protection and he stayed in prison the entire time.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. So the operation was unsuccessful. Uh, the, the targeted man by the name of Gil Hill, um, and other influential city politicians just kind of, they weren't able to do anything. Uh, so despite his efforts, he was labeled as a menace still and was still too dangerous and did not get, um, a rehearing to lose the life sentence.
1: That's interesting though. Just because the operation wasn't successful, he doesn't get shit that's promised.
0: No, it's not that that it's not that it's because it wasn't successful. It's potentially because it wasn't successful that he didn't get a, uh, the courtroom didn't look better on him. You know, it's like, Oh sure. You help the FBI. But for what, nothing happened. You know, he was labeled as a menace to society sort of thing. So he wasn't granted a rehearing after that. Um, lifer law was overturned, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe if he helped the FBI and it was successful, maybe they wouldn't have looked at him as a quote menace to society and would have given him a retrial.
1: Mm -hmm. And this menace thing is bothersome to me because like we've talked a lot of times on here about how rehabilitation is possible, isn't possible kind of thing. But I feel like with how young he was, I do feel like it's more so possible Oh, definitely. Right. That he could think he could really have get an change his life, right? For the better. And, and I don't know.
0: Well, and not only that, he was a model inmate. He had not a single infraction on his record.
1: Seriously. The
0: entire time. Well, he did have one, which we will touch here later. He had one infraction while behind bars, his entire prison career. He had one. Wow. But he was a model inmate the entire time otherwise. And he was nonviolent. He just had drugs on him, which apparently he technically didn't even.
1: And I feel like if anyone should be a pain in the ass in in prison, it it would be him because I would just be like pissed.
0: Probably. Uh, Now, another detail that's really important to talk about. In Michigan, each person is supposed to have an opportunity for parole once every five years. Mm, Okay. However, for some unknown reason, Rick was denied that right. He was given a single parole hearing ever the entire time he was behind bars. So in 2017, extensive publicity surrounding Rick Wershey Jr.'s case, um, who was, as I already mentioned, a nonviolent drug offender for a crime he committed at the age of 17, led to him finally receiving a parole hearing after a total of 28 years behind bars.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Let that soak in.
1: (laughs) What the actual fuck is happening?
0: A non-violent crime, a youth, the law that put you in there for that long was overturned. You have the right to a parole hearing every five years. However, here we are 28 years later for a youth. First parole hearing. Hmm. Non-violent again. Remember, I think that's very important to say.
1: You know, I just feel like if I was him, I would be like almost lighting that place on fire. I would just be be as much of a pain in the ass as I could be, I think, because fucking wouldn't change anything.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't condone arson, but I understand your sentiment. I know what you mean. That was just just a statement. I I know what you mean. I would physically
1: actually do it, but you know, yeah. Yeah,
0: I was just bugging. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I would be livid as well. Um, so he spent 28 years in jail, was finally out on parole. However, his release did not bring freedom as he was immediately taken into custody by the U S marshals to serve another five year sentence in Florida state prison. This was for a 2008 conviction related to car theft ring while he was behind bars. As I said, he did have one infraction on his resume, if you will, as a, of a model inmate, um, So Rick committed this crime behind bars. He had purchased a stolen car through some of his connections for his mom and sister. Authorities found out about it and threatened to pursue legal action on his mom and sister if he did not seek a plea bargain in court. So he did. And as a result was sentenced to an additional five years in prison.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yeah. So despite his application for leniency or essentially like mercy he was denied and went back to jail.
1: And that's where he is right now.
0: He completed his sentence with credits for good behavior and was released from custody in Florida on July 20th of 2020, just in time for COVID when he had to get uh, locked down.
1: Oh my gosh. Right? Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Um, in July of 2021, a year after his l- release, a year out of jail, Rick took legal action against the FBI, asserting that his lawsuit, asserting in his lawsuit that the involvement as an informant for the task force completely compelled him into the world of drugs, gangs, and criminality. Mm-hmm. He contended that the FBI's actions amounted to child abuse. And yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. However. how your howevers. However. i throw a
1: coaster at your face.
0: Wow, thank you. Because
1: I'm getting pissed over here.
0: Wow. <laughs> um, I'm going to try and protect myself on Nicole's probably throwing stuff at me. But however, a federal judge dismissed his hundred million dollar lawsuit against the FBI and Detroit police ruling not that his claims were false, but that he had waited too long to sue over his alleged distress and misfortune resulting from cooperating with the government. He waited too fucking long to sue the man that they held behind bars since he was a fucking child who
1: couldn't even get a parole hearing. This case is just something. Isn't it? I cannot believe this. It just keeps getting worse and worse. It's like the shit just keeps piling on. Yeah. I don't even know what to
0: say. Your eyes are the size of those coasters right now. They
1: are. I'm just shocked. I don't know if I've actually been this shocked over a case. I mean, like we've covered so many that are shocking, but this is just like jaw dropping.
0: It is. He was a figure for authorities. And then they pinned all this on him. Why? I don't know.
1: Well, they're backpedaling because they realized they fucked up.
0: Yeah. How bad would it have looked that they got this kid shot when he was like, what, 15 or 16? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How bad would it look that they ruined this kid's life? Oh, they realized this is child abuse shit. Mm -hmm. So this potentially could be a whole cover up. Potentially, maybe, I mean, honestly, there is documents saying he worked with the FBI. There is admission that he worked with the FBI as an informant. But to what extent, though? A lot of this is coming from Rick's story, Rick's side, Rick's dad.
1: There's always two sides to the story, I guess.
0: Some of it might be being embellished. But as far as we know, the FBI is not denying any of it.
1: I don't know. The whole like cover up and everything, it's shocking, but it's not shocking. Do you know what I mean? I know
0: what you mean. Yeah. So Rick, at the age of 17, was convicted and spent over three decades behind bars. And while behind bars, he had no one. He was fighting the literal government and FBI. Rightfully, he expressed fears of retaliation if he spoke out against powerful figures who claimed and pressured him into becoming an informant as a kid hmm So how could he really know that he could even sue? He well, had no one behind bars.
1: And because too, in a situation like that, you wouldn't really be able to protect yourself. No. Right? If someone did want to do
0: something to you. You're at the whim of authorities. I mean yeah. technically speaking, we always are, but much more of a watchful eye at that point. Mm-hmm. So if he's gonna be behind bars and sue them. You think that's gonna fucking work,
1: yeah I could you could honestly, just with all the shit going down, like I could feel I could see him getting killed,
0: yeah, and how could he have even really had a lawsuit behind bars? Mm-hmm. he's going to have he's not gonna be able to find a- def, uh, someone to defend him he's gonna be given a defendant given a defendant by who the authorities he's trying to sue you think he's gonna win that case
1: yeah, wow,
0: yeah. So the judge concluded that he sh- could have and should have taken legal action sooner. But since he didn't, it was just simply too little, too late.
1: Is that actually a rule, though, that it took him too long? Like, I've never.
0: I think there is, because there, there's even um, situations that I've heard of of murderers, like literally right. telling their story after it's too little, too late to have been arrested.
1: Right, actually. I hmm. can't
0: remember what the the law is called or anything, but I do know that there is that sort of thing that occurs Quite frequently.
1: But I also feel like there has to be, um, exclusions. Like this man was in jail. So like he didn't have the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? I know
0: what you mean. Yeah. I I feel the same. Yeah. Even if he didn't, even if he did have the opportunity, even if authorities, um, the government would provide the opportunity for inmates to pursue a lawsuit like that. He didn't have the education to know better. He was a kid when Mm -hmm. he was thrown behind bars. Yeah. He didn't know. Yeah. Maybe they should have, I don't know, made him see counselors talk about this sort of thing. Maybe he's been sitting on this idea for years and didn't know he could pursue it behind bars. Did they give him the opportunity? We don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So while serving his time behind bars, Rick missed crucial moments in his family's lives. His father had passed away and he was unable to attend his funeral. He had two kids who he never really knew met a few times through the bars of prison.
1: He had two kids.
0: Yep. Oh, I'm not too sure when they were conceived, if they were conceived before he was going in or I mean, maybe conjugal visits. I don't know. I didn't really dig too much information, dig too deep on that information. Okay. Um, but he did have two kids. Um, and he missed decades of their lives. So, uh, now the name white boy, Rick, was not a street name that Rick used himself, nor was it one that he was ever called by those who he was associated with. The name was strictly given to him by reporters and news sources. So Rick Wershey Jr. was a boy who was working with authorities. To what degree? I mean, that may be up for debate, but it is factual and it is documented that the relationship did in fact occur. It is very possible and perhaps probable that without any sort of this informant connection, That Rick may have grown up to live a drug and crime-free life. He may have never seen the inside of a prison cell whatsoever. But instead, well, you know how it played out.
1: Mm -hmm. But I mean, on the flip side, who knows? Maybe he still would have ended up in, in that sort of crowd too, right? He might have. Yeah.
0: He very well could have.
1: Hmm. Being just thinking about like what his dad was involved in and stuff, right? Yeah.
0: And he didn't grow up in like the very nicest of areas either. Like it was Mm -hmm. a fairly heavily involved crime drug gang thing in the vicinity of his his, uh, upbringing. So yeah, it's, it's a very good possibility that, that it could have occurred, but it's also a very good possibility that could have grown up and have a beautiful family and a lawyer and good suburban town and mowing his lawn every other day and going to church on Sundays.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, even if he was involved in, say, got involved in some sort of something shady, he probably would have had a better, um, chance in court and with paroles and everything because there wouldn't have been someone in the background stomping on all this. Yeah. So.
0: So, I mean, there's a lot more political ties that go into this story. There is a documentary called, uh, white boy and it's on Netflix right now. I do highly recommend you go watch it. It is very informative and they go into some of the political stuff a bit. Um, for example, one of the things, uh, one of the gangs that, uh, uh, Rick was infiltrating. I I can't remember what it's called. I think it was called the best friends gang. I think is what it is. Um, And one of the heads of that gang, Rick Jr. had actually gotten arrested and convicted. And so Rick almost kind of took his place a bit, but like not really. However, he did start dating that guy's wife.
1: Oh shit.
0: Who also was the mayor's daughter or something like that. Oh my. And then that's why the FBI wanted to use Rick's in. When he was behind bars because of his, his connection to this woman who was like in the political world. And like, there was a wow. Whole, and then there's different ties with his, um, his defendants who are also within and all this. And it just, it's a huge, huge thing that it, it goes down for quite a ways.
2: Hmm. So and
1: how, how long is this? Is it like a mini docu-series kind of Uh No, or? it's a
0: one-off documentary. And I think oh. it's, I think it's like two hours. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I actually really want to watch
0: that. It's a good documentary.
1: Huh. Because, yeah, this is this is a fascinating story.
0: It's unbelievable. I can't believe I've actually ever heard this, which I mean, this story goes so deep because there's even lyrics of white boy Rick and some some like rap songs and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, Kid Rock spoke at his parole hearing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. Jeez, it's just wild. This is wild. It is. I keep saying that, but I don't even know how the hell else to describe this.
0: This, I can't
1: even talk and my <laughs> eyeballs are still the size of these coasters.
0: Well, I'm curious what everyone thinks on uh, on the validity of this. Do you think that white boy Rick or Rick Wershey Jr. Um, was involved in the FBI to the extent that he says? Because we know he was. That's factual. But did the FBI really indoctrinate him into the gang and crime world? did this really all occur when he was 14
2: mm-hmm.
1: man it seems like it almost seems like i believe it but it also seems like it's something i don't want to believe either
0: i think i do believe it
1: yeah like it's disgusting if it's if it's 100 yeah. percent. it
0: i i mean sure maybe they're they're uh embellishing some of the stories a bit, but I don't think they're going to embellish the story on. Yeah. I was an informant since 14. Okay. Maybe it's even 15. I was an informant since 15. doesn't really change much. I was an informant since I was a young teenager for the authorities to infiltrate gangs and sell drugs and stuff. Like I said, there's documentation that he was.
1: Whoever had this idea is just. Cruel. Yeah.
0: Extremely cruel.
1: Yeah. Very disturbing. Disturbed.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh. Okay. So that's well, the uh,
0: the story. There you go. White boy Rick, a.k.a. Rick Worshi Jr.
1: <laughs> Man, how old would he be now? Oh. Do you know?
0: I'm not certain. Okay. I've, I've, let me see. I'm going to say he's around 60.
1: Okay. Yeah. That sounds about right.
0: I think he got out when he was about 58, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. So I think he will be 61, maybe 62.
1: And okay. I shouldn't, it's not funny, but I just, there's so many other things that I think people have committed worse acts, not saying that he didn't commit ba- anything bad, that are in prison for way less time.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's look at this. Assume assume that he did work with the FBI as an informant Mm -hmm. assume that he was there under their okay to be a fake drug dealer, a fake gang member, whatever. Okay. He did after they disconnected from him, which they didn't actually say they were disconnecting. They just stopped talking to him. So theoretically he may have still been under the impression that he was still working with them, but we'll say there was a cutoff. He was a gang member and drug dealer For up to approximately a year, six months to a year, let's say, where he was committing these crimes solely on his own accord without the authorities telling him to.
1: Yeah, but he was kind of also in too deep.
0: He was. That's part of the story. He couldn't
1: get out of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. How the fuck would you get out of it? You're right. But he was a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. He was.
1: Yeah, he was negatively affecting other people's lives by being a drug dealer, for sure.
0: So even if you take out the aspect of being affected by authorities and manipulated and it's indoctrinated into his life, he was a drug dealer for six months to one year. I don't care who the fuck you are. If you're a drug dealer for any amount of drugs, a nonviolent drug dealer. Well, I mean, maybe if you're like literally working with the cartel and like shipments of like, I don't know, like, Shipping containers, like thousands of pounds of drugs, might be a different story. But if you can carry the amount of drugs on your person,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: should not serve life in jail. No way. Because I can only imagine some of these people, that's their only option of a livelihood. Yeah. That's that's all they can do to feed their kids.
1: I don't know. I'm just thinking about other people who have like committed murders and like yeah. done wrongdoings to children. And they and, get like 10 and years. And they get less and oh gosh. Yeah. And then they're back out on the streets. Because I feel like him being back out on the street isn't necessarily going to be, what's the word, um, a problem for humanity or like- No. You know, like a reoffending or- No. Like a, a fear of reoffending.
0: I agree. There's many violent criminals out there who got- way less than this nonviolent criminal. Yeah. Who is technically only a criminal via via the puppet strings of the law. Anyways, I could rant for like <laughs> hours on this because oh my gosh, it it just keeps going. So I'm curious what you guys think. Shoot us a message or anything like that. I totally want to know. If you want to check out any of our other links, they're all down below. We got Patreon. We got YouTube. We got Instagram. We got Facebook. We got our website. We got merch. It's all listed there. If you just want to, hey, listen, if you're still listening, because I know we're rambling a bit right now, but if you are still listening, you're absolutely incredible. We love you. Thank you so much. And if you don't hear from us, because hey, you're too busy over the holiday season and you don't catch our our Christmas episode. Hey, we wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we wish you nothing but the best.
1: You took my line. I was going to wish everyone a Happy Holidays. Oh,
0: sorry. Okay, I redact that. Nicole can say
1: it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, because our next episode will be coming out on Boxing Day.
0: Oh, that's right. It will. So be. yeah
1: this this is our our time to basically just. I hope no matter what you're going through or. Enjoying or not enjoying, there's a little piece of magic in your holiday, just a little.
0: That feels like it should be a Disney intro. That was magical.
1: And whether it's just like a nice sip of a nice hot chocolate, enjoying a snowflake, enjoying some lights on a Christmas tree, just a little moment of magic,
0: a little extra sleep in, a good yes. stretch when you get out of the bed, in a the hot bath, those little things in life. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big thing to be happy. It doesn't have to be a big thing to be Christmas. Mm -hmm. So we hope you have a good Christmas Good holidays And like you said A little bit of magic
1: A little bit of magic Yeah So until our next episode
0: Stay wicked That was kind of bad Stay wicked (laughs) Stay wicked
1: Oh gosh Stay wicked There we go